3.38 p.m. <clears throat> the 24th of July, a Friday in the raucous year 2020. <laughs> and I hope whenever this finds you, you are well and safe. And uh, if you're quarantined in a hotel or motel, and want to follow along. Uh, this episode is, and the story I'm writing and talking about is taking place in the first book of Kings, chapter 18. So if you happen to be in a hotel, motel, reach into the side drawer and, you know, uh, Highly recommend the book in any case. Anybody else, everybody else. Um, it's a pretty good book. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at time of posting if you want to reach out for any reason. And in this good book, and specifically the Book of Kings, which, as I've been looking at this passage, makes very many numerous uh, references to the Book of Chronicles, specifically as such, uh, which is amusing for uh, reason. I, I'm not going to go into it, but it amuses me. Uh, you, it's a drinking game you can play with the <laughs> Book of Kings. <laughs> but uh, it's also peculiar because I've already been working for years on writing biblical fiction or midrashim is really very primarily what these are. The uh, rabbinical tradition of expanding on stuff uh, that is in biblical literature uh, to elaborate on something or explain uh, an ambiguous text. Like, for example, when uh, I'm just trying to think of uh, something midrashic that touches closely on the story we're talking about. Um, oh, oh, yeah, there is a good one for Numbers 23 with... Uh, uh, and actually, that's perfect because that involves Baal Peor. And we're going to be, this story uh, somewhat primarily is demonstrating uh, how the Baalim uh, fit into the society in the time of kings, which uh, specifically in the line of kings of Israel and Judah that follow Solomon. I know this is a bunch if you're not familiar with it, but uh, if you if you aren't 
think about this as uh, going down uh, the King's Road to King's Landing and knowing that uh, there are seven kingdoms and knowing that there are 12 tribes of Israel, the It's a very elaborate and well and coherent and self-referential, uh, like the Hebrew Bible as a collection of works of all the literature uh, contained in it, which uh, it is a fucking crime that people are not more. <laughs> familiar with it, and it has become part of my life's work, really. But without lingering on that overmuch, I can uh, pause the tape when I listen back over and also delete a bit of this. Uh, but that is quite a thing. And as uh, uh, Baal and Satanism, and specifically uh, Moloch being uh, brought up uh, in the worlds today, it is uh, surreal for me in a very special way because of the stuff I've been writing, which uh, in part, uh, part of it is very much about uh, magical realism in political satire uh, because I thought it was the only way I could possibly hope to do something that would be weirder and more evil than the shit we have been seeing and the way that the people in power, uh, and it's a whole bunch of other. This thing I am working on and shortly we'll start typing like I did with the previous recording. Uh, but I want to lay all this stuff out for the interest that it might have for people, uh, and to explain why it's important, uh, the different names of other gods, which is what these are. And that is to say, uh, that the stuff that has been going on for a very long time coming to light, uh, as I record this, uh, I heard a bit earlier uh, that they're going to be releasing the transcripts or whatever from Jelaine Maxwell's 2016 lawsuit or whatever on Jelaine Maxwell. That's it's a bunch of shit and it names like so far as I know because of Dershowitz 
lunacy and self the 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 things that drive that schmutz whatever there are better yiddish words uh for what he is but uh he's a stain for one thing and there is a difference between people often use the name and the thinking satan and the way that you know the church has painted that character and solidified him in some ways and also the etymology of satan uh in particular for which you can go back actually one chapter from the example i was god damn it the sorry i know i go in circles and these things are all related but numbers 23 the story with uh balaam and his talking ass donkey uh is numbers 22 and it's one of a few significant times in the old testament that the entity uh adversary hasatan uh actually appears uh But 23, the next chapter, and one of these wonderful layered ironies in a very funny book as well. Like, like if you really study it and get this stuff that in the book of Numbers, uh, that it 22 ends with Balaam pronouncing all these blessings upon the nation of Israel uh, and how may their whatever never run dry and may the Lord this and this. Uh, and then it's like uh, Gilligan cut is the uh, uh, in a uh, television terminology, just the bit of it and all of a sudden here we are with the Israelites smeared in shit and worshiping another God because all it takes, it's like five minutes without watching them and they find something else to worship and to, you know, make sacrifices to or uh, melt down their jewelry and make an idol everybody they they tell the golden calf thing and it's like another of those small uh, particular stories that get known or that are told but that's at the foot of mount sinai in exodus uh And people think, and the, this is a distinction that is incredibly important for everyone to make, is that Baal is not a name, it is a title, literally meaning Lord or Master. 
So uh, instead of El or Elohim or Yahweh uh, or other names of God, uh, the one God, uh, the Baalim, uh, as saying before, as an example, uh, it's the difference between saying uh, we're waiting for the doctor and saying we're waiting for Dr. Asimov, uh, who sadly and weirdly, uh, uh, Twitter tells me this is the anniversary of his death, uh, July 24th. 1990 or 91-ish. Um, but I was searching for Asimov because of his guide to the Bible, which uh, is where Melkart came in. And it's just uh, funny and very gratifying that he... Uh, wrote about pretty much what I was going to be digging up and saved me a little legwork and figuring out uh, who the uh, the particular Baal of the Phoenicians is. And that brings us back to the first book of Kings chapter. Oh, 23. I can't cite chapter and verse from everything, but there are some stories that stick or that, you know. And there's a great, great example of a midrash from a book I have around here somewhere. I think it's called Let My People Ascend, and it's part of a series of... Uh, uh, it's part of the series that's like, let my people go, ascend, let my people uh, flourish, you know? Uh, and the one that I have is great. Uh, I'll dig it up at some point and recommend it more specifically. But in there, uh, it goes in very elaborate detail, expanding on some of the things from numbers. And the thing about 23 uh, involves a number of the Israelites uh, worshiping and reveling uh, with uh, the Moabites in the, uh, the presence or worship of another god. And... Uh, So without getting into the narrative or characters, which aren't relevant for the, the little scene detail and example, uh, I'm going to condense this and give it more because it actually has a funny connection back to the Book of Kings and a random uh, character name connection. Uh, between Prince Zimri of the Israelites in number 23 and with King Zimri in the Book of Kings, who reigned for a disastrous seven days. But uh, 
and there are so many interesting stories uh <laughs> so many and uh people care and are uh motivated and inspired by them and in this particular book uh in in the story the thing with zimri uh and stuff with idolatry and uh uh fucking moabite women you know uh turning from the tribe and god and being you know a disgrace to the nation of israel this is the whole point of the story uh that the <laughs> rather appropriately, the climax of the story uh, involves one of the sons uh, or grandson of Aaron, brother of Moses, uh, coming into a tent while he is uh, getting it on with this uh, uh, idolatrous woman. Uh, and he, that is the guy coming in uh has a uh spear uh or staff you know and he impales both of them together and it's that very condensed uh and extreme violence that you find in the bible if you're familiar with the book and yet another reason that i am driven to be adapting this stuff so people can be more aware and engage with it. And in this book, <laughs> this other book that I have, uh, it has that entire scene and the previous thing about him bringing her into the temple and in the eyes of the Israelite congregation or something. Uh, that's all in, I think like four, four or five lines of biblical text uh and it's all in one chapter uh but the elaboration upon just those two scenes uh each of those is at least a page maybe a bit over on one of them but uh it describes like the entire scene in detail and rationale for why what he's doing is specifically so galling to the community. Uh, and often, as with Midrashim and why I love the form or the the thing so much, is that uh, it's also uh there there's a little humor in the uh the explanation and damn it how it's far whatever that's an example it's an elaboration on biblical literature and uh excuse for all the dancing around I hope it's entertaining as with all of this and I'll cut some of it back. Um, so, 
So, in the first book of Kings, chapter 18, the prophet Elijah finally shows back up <laughs> and uh, uh, has it out with uh, uh, King Ahab. And part of the conflict concerns his queen uh, Jezebel, who comes from Phoenicia. There's context to all of this, and it's important, and that's some of what I'm doing in turning this into literary fiction, like the thing that I just referred to, expanding on the sins of Zimri and the Israelites during the exile and in the middle of the uh, the five books of what some people think is the whole Bible, you know, the five books of Moses, uh, of the Hebrew Bible, whatever, you know, just... Uh, the point is that uh, just like that tremendous elaboration, uh, actually Lord of the Rings just suddenly springs to mind the thing in uh, the Two Towers when Gandalf shows up at uh, uh, um, not sure uh, the capital uh, city or castle is escaping me, but it's in the land of the Rohirrim, the horse lords, that, uh, that Ian McKellen does that whole, uh, you know, uh, would you, uh, uh, something to an old man for his walking stick and just like takes his magical staff, uh, totally right into the courtroom. Uh, or the, the, you know, Theoden, another awesome uh, and very engaging series with a rich mythic uh, everything. Uh, now I want to rewatch. Oh, wait a minute. I think Two Towers, at least a bit ago, was on Netflix. And you can cut out, like, uh, an hour of the movie if you just skip over the Frodo and Sam walking things. Ah, damn it. Not anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just uh, skip all the things of Frodo and Sam walking because, yeah, you know. Uh... Sam, Elijah, Ahab, and the actual story that all of this is context to. I always think I got all the alarms, but, uh, but so. Everybody thinks that Baal is one specific God. I'm saying this again because I know 
it, it isn't complicated. It's just a huge uh, thing, and the world is about to uh, reawaken to the reality of multiple gods and the fact that, uh, as I've known for a while and been writing about, but now is manifestly real, uh, not again, but since then, uh, just on the DL. But uh, the fact that the first commandment saying, thou shalt have no other gods before me or other than me, it uh, implies, it uh, implies and it even actually, it confirms the existence of other gods. Because nothing is in the book that is not significant. All of it has layered meanings and it's the first commandment. So it's even far more important than the laws of kosher, which are written down uh, so you don't eat stuff that's raw or that you find dead or something and poison yourself. Uh, it wouldn't say, do not worship other gods if there were not other gods. Baal is a word that is used, like I was saying before with Dr. Asimov, that if you didn't like the doctor or it's not important, you would say, uh, you know, we're, uh, same thing, we're waiting for the doctor uh, and uh, there is not a word, not a letter uh, of biblical Hebrew that is not intentionally loaded with uh, some meaning or uh, that the whole thing is designed to be written out <laughs> by hand until the end of time and uh, self-perpetuate that way. Uh, but they don't want to rewrite out the names of other gods unless it's very specific. Uh, like, for example, uh, when it says... Uh, and the reference is somewhere around here, uh, but there are a few of them, is uh, do not... No, God for the perplexed is buried somewhere else. Anyway, that uh, you shall not uh, sacrifice your children to Moloch, the god of blood sacrifice and child murder and things. Uh, and it includes that because that particular practice is something sacred to that God. But in chapter 18 of First Kings, uh, it doesn't matter 
in context and the writers <laughs> as the same uh, very pointed snub that they often do to women in the Bible uh, where, you know, it'll say the name of the Lot's wife that uh, she isn't important enough to have a name. And they're doing the same thing with the Baal here by obscuring Melkart and not naming the actual Phoenician god. And after this break, I am going to get to telling y'all a bit about Melkart. It is 4.07 p.m., 24th of July, world splitting open and people catching on. Four ten PM we go on. As for Melkart, the particular god Baal of Phoenicia, which is where Jezebel, a character that people know the name of and one thing about from the Bible. But uh, she is the wife of King Ahab, who follows uh, his father Omri, and funnily enough, right before them, Zimri. An entirely different character in the Bible, who's also a jackass, uh, as the one in Numbers 23. Uh, but... And feel free to uh, read the book. It's more of a fun book than people want you to think. Uh, and I think this is one of the reasons why. And it's why I've been writing some of the stuff I have been for a very long time. Is like 17 years, give or take. So in first book of Kings, chapter 18, Elijah uh, challenges the priests of uh, Melkart to uh, uh, challenge to show which of their gods is more powerful. Uh, and it says there are 450 priests of Baal. And like I was just explaining on the previous part of this tape, uh, that they didn't want to write uh, out the names of other gods unless the specific god was relevant. And uh, it isn't. It's just the fact that Jezebel uh, came from a nation that worshipped a different god. But uh, 
in the thing I'm writing in trying to get people to engage with this stuff and put in references and, you know, trying to not do heavy handed exposition. Uh, but, uh, to let people know the, uh, the place that they're in and, you know, like to drop a ref, this is something in <laughs> the thing I'm going to start with typing in just a few minutes, he said at four minutes of this recording, get ready for whatever uh the thing about uh melkar though uh just like in the midrashim i was discussing uh where it gives a lot more detail and context and specifically things that these characters were thinking sometimes. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am talking not about the 450 priests or prophets, excuse me, of Baal, uh, which is what it says in the book. If you're looking at this on the page or uh, looking at translations, uh, it's possible someone printed it otherwise, but my guess would be that it just says Baal and people have been thinking broadly for a few millennia that Baal is the name of a god. And I'm trying to make it very clear uh, among a number of things that I want to do with this story uh and the fact that part of the the denuma uh occurs uh at the river Kishan. So I wanna uh be putting in uh connection with Judges Five uh and the uh the extraordinary rhythm of the poetry of the Song of Deborah. Um, because I intend the stuff that I'm writing to be engaging, uh, whether you're coming from a secular perspective, uh, or if you are deeply familiar with this literature, and in either case, if you're listening, uh, I hope that you are entertained by what you're hearing and what I am writing. So, Melkart. I've uh, also attached the Wikipedia uh, for this Baal to the description for the podcast. So if you want to look and explore on your own, there is the... Uh, and Wikipedia spells it with a Q, but I'm sticking with uh, what Asimov had, which is Melkart with a K, 
M-E-L-K-A-R-T, like Mario Kart, basically, but Melkart. Um, and so Wikipedia says that he was the tutelary god of the Phoenician city-state of Tyre, T-Y-R-E. Uh, if you're familiar with the place or not, I'll be talking about that because of context of this uh, as we go. Uh, and he was a harvest god, said to be the son of Baal or El, uh, and a number of other things. Uh, he was a symbolic harvest god. Uh, it says vegetation, uh, but, you know, I mean, uh, it's a thing. Demeter uh, is the same thing, but with one of the Greeks. And as with the Greeks and Romans, it actually says here that uh, the Greeks uh, also, uh, I don't know if it says worship here, and I'm not, reading that closely, but uh, they associated him with Heracles, Hercules, since at least the 6th century BC, and eventually became interchangeable with his Greek counterpart, which is interesting and definitely bears later. Future Adam, please look into that, see what it is of Melkart that maybe we have seen as Hercules, but originates with this older god, whose uh, symbols also uh, include an Ankh, like the Egyptians, or a lotus flower, as symbols of life, and a fenestrated axe as a symbol of death. Uh, he is also associated with Astarte, uh, and we'll get to uh, her um, is a, uh, or Ishtar is same thing, uh, or same same goddess. And those things being said then, That is good. Hmm. 
Yeah, see, this is interesting in uh, that I did some, like, very loose draft work last night that is, like, the Mad Lib stuff, and now by daylight, uh, I can come back and just see where it says, uh, you know, blank, use one of these three words. And I usually work to music. I kind of really want to, to go with rhythm for this, but, uh, but this is very interesting for me to listen back over. And I hope it's at least somewhat interesting for other people, but, uh, and this can be cut, doesn't, it's being said because I talk through things uh, but it doesn't need to be heard any more times than need be. <laughs> and as per Midrashim, let's see what the original text says specifically. Let's clear on this. Mm hmm. Okay. Okay. And if you want to follow along uh, or know, you know, the scene I'm adapting, uh, that is First Book of Kings, uh, Chapter 18, Line 21. That's a very happy reminder. Just, uh, 
been a while, but when I was at the store earlier, I went for some sushi. So that it's too many damn alarms, but I have all these things I need to remember. <laughs> okay, sorry for the interruption, folks. This is uh, just shy of 16 minutes on this tape. Uh, future Adam, please cut when you can. Okay. Nothing else in the hour of 4 p.m. Okay, there we go. All right, good. Excuse the technical difficulties, please. Um, cool. Cool beans, I think, is possibly said. Or not anymore. <laughs> All right. do better than that.
just realized uh, of the somewhat political implications in biblical literature sometimes uh, or political scheming and stuff. There is another, I'm, I'm re-familiarizing myself with Kings for reading this and having such fun doing so. But uh but it says of Ahab somewhere that uh, <laughs> that he had done more to provoke the Lord. Yeah, here's one of them. The point is that there are a bunch of the like like every time it seems, or a number of times when a new king comes up, it says uh, who has done more evil in the sight of the Lord. Oh, actually, this is 16. Oh, this is exactly the citation I wanted. Just going to dig that up before. But let's get that first, Kings. Uh, let's just say, oh, it's 16, not 18, 30 to 33. And that is Omri and Ahab. It says it. Uh, for both of them, that uh, basically it displeased the Lord because he's done more evil than everyone in previous administrations. <clears throat> and 
And the thing I'm adapting, it's we're nearly at the end of the tape. Uh, but the thing that I'm stretching out here uh, from really only 18 line 21 uh this is just this one line uh but because of the story and everything that's so loaded like it is i did this with like three paragraphs of mad libs kind of expansion to it last night and now what i've just done is a page already and after this uh quick break I'm going to do the rest of that, polish that up a little, uh, and then I'm going to have some uh, what I consider kosher because I it should be clean and I won't get sick from it, uh, some shrimp sushi, which is fun to say and yummy to eat, and I am going to earn it. 4.39 p.m., 24th, July, 2020. All right. Last part. 4.43 p.m. 24th, July. Mm. And uh, again, to reiterate, and the way that I'm driving home, how uh, different the world is not only of this story, but also uh, like the like the way the Game of Thrones throws you in to the middle of it. Like Lord of the Rings takes place in uh, Middle Earth, but it definitely lets you get your bearings. Whereas uh, I think uh, one of the first and great conversation uh especially in the show of game of thrones between uh ned and robert when they're just uh talking about like oh before the rebellion and you were king you know it's like uh if only something something rhaegar targaryen and just uh like dropping names in the battle of the three uh whatever that was the the rivers and stuff just all this these marvelous things but it throws you right into the middle of it head first uh and yeah um I admire those series tremendously uh, and, you know, enjoying great literature and, uh, yeah, I'm having fun and I hope everybody else is too.
let's uh, get back to Elijah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you guys can hear it with the window closed, but uh the ice cream going by. Yeah. If it weren't uh, the pandemic, uh, this would be a fine day to uh, jump out and get some ice cream. Luckily, I got some at the store. Oh, hang on. Uh, 4.46 p.m., July 40, whatever. Twenty fourth, uh, I think, is what I was babbling at right there with the uh, ice cream and everything. That was the twenty fourth of July. It is right now the thirty first of July uh, at ten twelve p.m. And I am just tying this one off so I can publish it as well. I finally did the uh, the editing needed on the Aleister Crowley thing, which is will be published directly below this. And the recording is yada, yada, yada. Um, day of uh, momentous change and uh, I'm... I was interrupted before by a very pleasant uh, surprise call from a cousin. Uh, and, you know, uh, this is about as much as I was going to record on this episode. The only reason it wasn't published was that I didn't have a chance to come back and cleanly tie it off, which I have now done. Uh, I hope that you've enjoyed this and potentially other recordings of mine podcast. I hope that all of you are well. You can find me on Twitter at time of posting and it is 10 14 p.m. Friday, July 31st, year 2020. <laughs> Gosh golly.